Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Happy Friday. Pete Callender here, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the phone numbers. If you'd like to join in the discussion today, and really every day on WBT, it's 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Docket number 2022-GS-15-00592, the state of South Carolina, County of Colleton, in the Court of General Sessions in the term of 2022, July, the state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch defendant, indictment for murder, SC code 16-3-0010, CDR code 0116, guilty verdict, signed by the forelady, 3223. There it is. Guilty. All four of the counts, which two of them were murder, one for Maggie Murdoch, his wife, one for Paul Murdoch, his son. And he was sentenced earlier today to serve the rest of his natural life in prison for each of the the two murders, uh, and they will run consecutively, not concurrent. So consecutively, back to back. And in the sentencing uh, portion this morning, the judge... Clifton Newton uh, pointed out that this this could have been a death penalty case. It had the mid, the uh, aggravating factors. It had the aggravating factors, which were the other two charges, which were uh, the use of a a weapon in the commission uh, of a violent crime. There were other aggravating factors as well. Um, and this is always part of a death penalty case uh, where you first get the conviction, then it goes to the sentencing phase. And in the, uh, South Carolina death penalty cases, uh, the, the jury then sits and hears the aggravating and mitigating factors and then would determine whether to put the, uh, the convicted defendant to death or not. The state did not seek the death penalty against Alec Murdoch, and so the jury was then released. Um, and yesterday, the judge thanked the jury uh, and seemed to express agreement with their decision. Typically, I've, I've seen jurors uh, wanting to see the end result of a case once they've invested a lot into it. It's really an amazing thing uh, with juries. Uh, quite often, at the start of the case, jurors are uh, really like, whoa, why am I here? I wish I wasn't selected, but as time passes and the jurors jurors become invested and really committed to the case and committed to seeing it through um, and are very disappointed when they are not able to see it to a conclusion. And then along the way um, of serving, you end up finding out quite a bit about our judicial system uh, and learning quite a bit, uh, well, about human nature for sure, 
but also uh, about the presentation of evidence and hearing from expert witnesses and really learning a lot of things that uh, you'll be able to take with you when you leave jury duty. And to Madam Forelady, uh, I don't know if you were hesitant initially or not, but you have stepped up to the plate and done a great job of leading the jury as well. And thank all of you. All right. So he thanks the jury. Oh, I played the wrong clip there. He releases them. They took like three hours to come to their decision. He also told them that you don't have to talk to the media, although I guess some of them already are now. Um, And here's where he seemed to express. And when I got to tell you, so when they first let into evidence, all of the prior acts, in other words, the financial crimes, when that was allowed to be heard, the uh, the prevailing wisdom, the conventional wisdom was that uh, allowing those prior acts to come in almost assured that he was going to be convicted. Typically, I've I've seen jurors. Oh, wrong clip again, Pete. Wanting oh to see. Hang on, here we uh, go. Manifoli and there members of the jury, I want to thank you on behalf of the citizens of the state of South Carolina and your fellow citizens of Colleton County. Uh, you did not volunteer for this service. You were uh, called upon by the being summoned to appear, and Providence have brought you to this moment in time and these weeks in time. I know that all of you have been here at uh, great sacrifice, uh, particularly the um, juror whose job was on the line uh, until a miracle happened, I guess, that allowed him to be able to leave rather than to stay at rather than leave after uh, two or three weeks. Um, but I want to thank each one of you all individually and collectively. Uh, it's not often that you're called upon to uh, sit in judgment of the actions of your fellow man, but you all responded. And um, it gave due consideration to the evidence. Um, I will make no comment now as to the um, extent or the overwhelming nature of the evidence, uh, but certainly the verdict that you've reached is supported by the evidence, uh, um, circumstantial evidence, direct evidence, all of the evidence pointed to only one conclusion. That's the conclusion that you all reached. So I applaud you all for, um, as a group, uh, and as a unit and individually uh, evaluating the evidence and um, coming to a proper uh, conclusion as you see, as you saw the law, as you saw the facts. Right. So this is the, this is the system, right? The people who hear the testimony, see the facts presented at trial, they make the call. And I don't know if um, like, as I sit here today, I don't know if I could have voted to convict him or not. Based on what I saw and what I've heard reported is that now there's uh, some of the jurors are talking and they say that uh, there were three not guilties when they went in there. And over the course of like three hours, they flipped to guilty. Um, 
So Alec Murdoch gets convicted last night. He's then led away. And how the courtroom is set up, you got the judge that sits, you know, up at the front of the room. Off to the, his side is the jury box. And so when they walk, the and then there's a door next to the judge that goes back to the jail, the holding cell. And so when the uh, when the verdict is read and Alec Murdoch is then taken into custody, handcuffed, and walked through the back door behind the judge, the camera swings around and it's following him and he walks right in front of the jury. And he doesn't look at them, but we could see all their faces. So the jury was shown last night on court TV. And the judge uh, addressed that this morning at the sentencing phase. And he told the jurors, as he did last night, if you get any kind of harassment or annoyance or anything like that from people that start hounding you uh, for interviews or trying to you know, identify you and all this, he said, come to me and I'll take care of it. And he also noted that apparently somebody in the courtroom took pictures of some of the they are now online. And he said, I'm not going to run that investigation. Uh, apparently law enforcement can uh, he pointed out that Kobe Bryant's wife has just won some massive civil settlement, uh, a payout from Los Angeles County because uh, something similar happened in that case as well. And he just said, don't know if it would be worth it to you, but keep that under advisement. All right. So what happened at sentencing this morning? Uh, judge had some words. The judge had some words. So did Alec Murdoch himself. We'll take a listen. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. News Talk 1110-993-WBT going over the uh, conviction and sentencing of now disgraced South Carolina lawyer Alec Murdoch. Um, all right, let's go ahead and join in progress uh, the defense attorneys for Murdoch are speaking. This is Dick Harputlian. But once that information was in, I mean, if, 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 if he had to take the stand to explain the kennel video, the lie, if you will. Um, he had, to, but he had no credibility. His credibility had been stripped away by um, by the uh, the financial. Uh, Do you believe misdeeds. the claim today that he's innocent? Yes. How was Buster doing, and why did he choose not to speak in the um, we could have had this is Jim Griffin uh, mother Teresa up there speaking on behalf of Alec at sentencing uh, I mean he was getting a double life sentence that that was that was expected I mean this was judge Newman he he has a, he ha, he's a very uh, stringent uh, punisher when it comes to crimes and sentences I mean that that was never in dispute and so for Buster to get up and and speak on his dad's behalf would not have made a difference. And why do you want to? Why do you want to put that kid through more trauma than than anybody that we you know can imagine has ever been through? Have his 
What's that? How's his feelings about his dad You know, I, I, I can't speak to Buster's feelings. I can tell you this. There was a lot of effort by the state to convince the family that Alec is the murderer. The family came to trial every day for six weeks expecting to hear proof positive that he killed Maggie and Paul, something that they had not heard before. After six weeks of trial, they came away more convinced that he did not do this, and they are steadfastly in his camp and support him, and that's 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 where they stand. What's next for Alex? What's next for Alex? Well, Alex will be leaving <laughs> shortly to go to Columbia to R and E, it's called, where he'll be at the uh, South Carolina Department of Corrections. He'll he'll be evaluated. That's about a 30-day process, and then he'll be sent to. Um, wherever the correctional facility that, that they assign him to. So. No, I don't, I don't think, he, you know, Alec was not optimistic that with, with all of the um, scrutiny and press and, and all of his bad acts being out in the public and the world, you know, uh, media domain, that he could get, you know, a, a jury to put out all the noise and and just focus on the murder and so coming in he was somewhat pessimistic he became optimistic as we got through the process but but i got to tell you and all you reporters you know you know the whole story i'm sure and if you're sitting on that jury they heard everything that would be in an hbo documentary a netflix documentary about the murdoch family dynasty downfall except the um, the stephen smith matter I mean, so we were hoping to get a jury to put all, you know, that, that could ignore the noise, focus on the murder, and went up trying a case that that they could have watched on Netflix. Does your legal team have any regrets about the way that you guys performed in this trial? You what? feel like you did? You feel like you were outmatched in closing Oh, absolutely not. I mean, uh, not outmatched. I mean, look. They won this case the day the judge bought into letting them put every piece of, you know, stealing from kids who lost their mother, from uh, somebody with pancreatic cancer, somebody that's a paraplegic. I mean, all of that two and a half weeks, by the time they got done with it, it didn't matter about final argument. It didn't matter about what we put up. He was, they would never, ever, ever acquit him after that. Last question. Can you just Last question. What your ground for appeal will be? Is it going to be 10 days? Can you lay out your argument on that? We'll file something, not in 10 days, but we'll file a notice of intention to appeal. Then we've got 30 days, I think, to file a brief. Yeah, so you file the notice within 10 days. you got to get a transcript. Oh, that'll take a I while. Mean, that'll take months before they type up everything. Uh, and then, then, then we start briefing. Are you all going to handle the appeal? Yes. And argue it in the Court of Appeals with the Supreme Court? And the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme necessary. Court, if necessary, that's correct. What's the federal issue? Doyle. Oh, there's a huge federal issue. That's why I got so animated and the judge told me to sit down. And part of the trial is the state eliciting, eliciting or asking questions of Alec about why he did not come forward and tell law enforcement where he was at, you know, at the time of the kennel video. And that was after he was arrested. And the U.S. Supreme Court cases are clear that post-arrest silence cannot be used against you. And that, I mean, that is a classic black violation black. of the Fifth Amendment. And, and we feel strongly that if we lose at the state courts, we'll have success at the federal court. Can you tell us about the plea negotiations before trial? No.
There were no plea negotiations. There weren't any. They never offered up any, him anything. How many times have you been in this What effort are you making to find the real killer, or what effort is he making? <laughs> Not our job to find the real killer. If they had taken fingerprints, if they gotten footprints, if they hadn't destroyed, if they preserved Maggie's phone with her GPS, um, if they had not, I mean, they misrepresented to the grand jury that they had a shirt with his blood on it, when they, and if they, if, if, you know, if Owen had opened his email, he says he didn't get, would have told him a year before that was, there was no human blood on that t-shirt. I mean, it was a, a comedy of errors in terms of forensics on this. So, do I have faith that they would find the real killer? No. All right, so that's Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin saying, yes, they will appeal and uh, because of the admission of the financial crimes and a federal issue to boot. So, wow, this case could be going on for years. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Just want to thank those defense attorneys for scheduling it uh, conveniently during my program. First hour, I appreciate that. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, let's go over here and get uh, get a phone call on. Here's Larry. Welcome to the show. Hello, Larry. Hi, Mr. Callender. How are you? I'm all right. What do you uh, What well, do you think about all of this? Uh, I think it's, I think they railroaded the brother. They railroaded the man. Really? I really I really don't think he did it, man. And why is that? But I really don't think he did it, man. He just it didn't look like he would do something like that. He's a respectable man in this county. And he's a, he's a lawyer, his, his father and his grandfather and all that. I just don't think he did. I think he got tied up in the drugs. And plus, I don't think they they treated him right in the in, in the in the courthouse because they had a they had a, they had a black judge, and that's not fair to him. Really, you think it's because he has a black judge? That's not fair to him. That's not fair to that's not fair to a white man who has a black judge. We should have that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. Would it, shouldn't so happen does the opposite work as well? White judge, black defendant. Yeah, we we we're, we're going to throw them blacks under the bus anyway, and I think everybody can agree with me with that. Yeah, but no, no one's like going to agree with you on that, Larry. Have you so, Larry? Uh, so, Larry, have you been a racist long? No, I'm not a racist. No, you don't sound friends. like one at all. No, I have black friends. Oh, yeah, sure. But I just don't think it's right. I just don't think it's right because he should have had a white judge. Yeah. I just, I just, I just, don't, I just, don't, I just don't get it. You and me both, Larry, I don't get why somebody would call in and say such stupid things, either for the, uh, for the joke, for the bit, or for actually disseminating such stupidity among a larger audience? I'm not sure either. I, I, I'm lost, too. Um, I would prefer just a, a simple ask, Larry. Uh, please don't listen to my show anymore. I am embarrassed if, my, if the content that I produce is it in any way attractive to you. <laughs> so please don't listen to the program anymore. Uh, I can't speak for other hosts at the station, so feel free to listen to their programs, but please don't listen to mine, and uh, definitely don't ever call my show again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Like I said, I don't know if that's a bit, and he thinks he's being funny, or he thinks he's proven a point somehow about who he thinks the audience is or something. You never know. Seminar caller, Rush used to call him, right? But if that was the joke, it was dumb. If that was 
in order to try to uh, attack other people that you believe are racist by pretending to be one and then sort of lampooning them for what they think they might say. I've literally never heard anybody say that. So I think the racist in that conversation was you, Larry. It was you. I think Larry was also the one that called in and pretended to have won the uh, lottery and was at the North Lake Mall. I think that's the same guy. Um, yeah, you should have stuck with the, the winning lottery ticket bit. That was at least funny, somewhat. Anyway, um, Alex Murdoch actually did speak at his sentencing. There is always an opportunity for the defendant to address the judge. And uh, here is what Alex Murdoch said. Good morning, Your Honor. I'm innocent. I would never hurt my wife, Maggie. And I would never hurt my son, Pawpaw. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. All right, that was it. Pawpaw. And I got to tell you, I'm not buying. There's something about the use of that nickname that just emerged out of his mouth for the first time. He never refers to him as Paul Paul. I've nobody had ever called Paul Murdoch Paul Paul in any of the interviews, in their testimony. Nowhere does it appear. It just came out during Alex's uh, during his testimony, and he he keeps calling him Paul Paul and. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he, it is the nickname that he always called Paul, but I, I never, it was never in any of the statements prior. All right, so then the judge speaks, and he spoke for like 25 minutes before he issued his sentence. I'm not going to play all of it, obviously. Uh, we don't have the time. But some of the key moments, I think, uh, I did pull, and well, here's the first. This has been perhaps one of the most troubling cases, not just for me as a judge, uh, for the state, for the defense team, but for all of the citizens in this community, all the citizens in this state, and as we've seen based on the media coverage throughout the nation, uh, you have a wife who's been killed, murdered, a son savagely murdered, a lawyer, a person from a respected family who has controlled justice in this community for over a century, a person whose grandfather's portrait hang at the back of the courthouse that I had to have ordered removed in order to ensure that a fair trial was had by both the state and the defense. Yeah, I wondered that. I wondered if there were any paintings or pictures of any of his relatives in that courthouse, and apparently there there were. It's also particularly troubling, uh, Mr. Murdoch, because uh, as a member of the legal community and a well-known member of the legal community, uh, you've practiced law before me, and we've seen each other at various occasions throughout the years. And it was especially heartbreaking for me to uh, 
see you um, go on, go in the media from being a, a grieving father who lost a wife and a son to being the person indicted and convicted of killing them. And you've engaged in such duplicitous conduct uh, here in the courtroom, here on the witness stand, and as established by the testimony throughout the time leading from the time of the indictment and prior to the indictment throughout the trial to this moment in time. Uh, certainly, you uh, have no obligation to say anything other than saying not guilty. <clears throat> and obviously, as appeals are probably expected or absolutely expected, I would not uh, expect a confession of any kind. In fact, as I've presided over murder cases over the past 22 years, I have yet to find a defendant who could go there, who could go back to that moment in time when they decided to pull the trigger or to otherwise murder someone. I have not been able to get anyone, any defendant, even those who have confessed to being guilty, to go back and explain to me what happened at that moment in time when they opted to pull the trigger, when they opted to commit the most heinous crimes known to man. In this case, qualifies under our death penalty statute based on statutory, the statutory aggravating circumstances of two or more people being murdered by the defendant by one act or pursuant to one scheme or course of conduct. I don't question at all the uh, decision of the state not to pursue the uh, death penalty. Here in this courtroom and look around the many um, portraits of judges and other court officials and reflect on the fact that over the past century your family, including you, have been prosecuting people here in this courtroom and many have received the death penalty, probably for lesser conduct. Yeah, he's probably right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A couple more clips to get to from uh, the sentencing phase, the sentencing hearing uh, this morning in the case of Alec Murdoch. Uh, so the judge also, uh, hang on, I got an email here. It says uh, from, email from Dave, 
Pete, it sounds like the judge did not know the phrase, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. I thought it was a well-known phrase. Yeah, Dave, I did too. But the judge uh, did not seem to know it. Remind me of the expression you uh, gave on the witness stand. Was it tangled? Tangled web we weave. Uh, Oh, what tangled web we weave. What did you mean by that? Meant when I lied, I continue to lie. And the question is, when will it end? When will it end? And it, it's ended already for the jury because they've concluded that you continue to lie and lie throughout your testimony. And perhaps with all the throng of people here, they, for the most part, all believe or 80, 90%, 99% believe that you continue to lie now when you, your statement of denial uh, to the court. Perhaps you believe that it's, it does not matter uh, that there's n- nothing that can mitigate a sentence given the crime, the crimes that were committed. You know, a notice of alibi was filed in this case by counsel in November, and we conducted a hearing, pretrial hearing, in which you claim to have been someplace else at the time the crime was committed. Then, after all of the witnesses placed you at the scene of the crime, at the last minute, or last minutes or days, you you, you, you switch courses and admit it to being there. And then that necessitated more lies and continued to lie. And, um, and I said, where will it end? It's already ended for many who have heard you and uh, concluded that it'll never end. But within your own soul, you have to deal with that. And I know you have to see Paul and Maggie during the night times when you're attempting to go to sleep. I'm sure they come and visit you. I'm sure. All day and every night. Yeah, I'm sure. And they will continue to do so. And and reflect on the last time they looked you in the eyes as you looked the jury in the eyes. Um, I don't know a person who's always been such a gregarious, friendly person uh, and caused her life to be tangled in such a weave web, uh, such a situation that you, um, yours have spun into uh, and it's so unfortunate because you had such a lovely family of such friendly people, including you, and to go from that to this. 
And uh, I got an email from Jay says, I think it, uh, what the judge just said there was right. The monster he became with the opioids is who really did it. You know, your license to practice law has been stripped away from you. you turned from lawyer to witness. And, and now uh, have an opportunity to make your final appeal uh, as a as an ex-lawyer, and it's almost, uh, it's really surprising that you're waiving this right at this time. And if you opt to do so, it's on you. I, you're not compelled to say anything, but you have the opportunity to do so. Judge, I tell you again, I respect this court, but I'm innocent. I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my wife, Maggie, and I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my son, Papa. Well, and it might not have been you. It might have been uh, the monster you become when you uh, take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Maybe you become another person. Maybe. Maybe that's what they saw. I, I don't know. All right, we'll talk with uh, Matt Harris, I believe, at 2 o'clock. But up next, a little bit more on the Medicaid decision that the Republicans made. Medicaid expansion. Up next. <laughs> 